Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Christmas, everybody. Merry, happiest of Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, happy day. Yep. Joyeux Noël. Okay, I don't know. Huh? Yeah. yeah, that was, uh, I think, Navidad. French. Mele Kalikimaka. Yeah, well. Um, I don't know any other languages to you. That's, I, ex- that's ex- the extent of my, my linguistic skills. That's about it for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. Uh, was Jesus actually born on December 25th? 100% yes. Without a doubt, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, then never mind. I won't go the way. Don't even need hey, to talk about look, it. Look, maybe, but maybe not. We don't know. Um, so do you need to get all up in arms and be like, oh, well, this was the day that they celebrated Dionysus and all the pagan gods and everybody else. And so... See, you're going to cause someone to stumble just by bringing this up. Okay. Listen, let's let's diffuse it. Listen. Just enjoy the day that we set aside <laughs> on the calendar to remember the birth of Christ. But yeah, but our culture set it up. Someone from the government set it up. No, they didn't. No. They honored it. No. It, no, it's it's church history as it was handed down from generation to generation. And uh, it was eventually codified on a particular given day. And, and this is the day that we celebrate the, the birth of Christ. Just like with Easter. I mean, think about our Easter calendars. Our Easter shifts all over the place. And, and sometimes it's late April. Sometimes it's early March. Sometimes it's over here. Sometimes it's over there. We're, we're, that doesn't throw us off or bother us. And so it's, it's okay. And, and if you look, Christmas is a good thing to celebrate the birth of the savior of the world. And so if that's where our focus can, can be, then let's focus there and enjoy it and celebrate it as is. I don't think there's anything that, uh, we're running afoul of if you know you've got a christmas tree in the in your house you're not worshiping the the gods of the trees and the druids and everything else like that you, you are are engaging in a tradition and in the traditions for you uh, hopefully lord willing about christ so celebrate today merry christmas enjoy it have fun this is probably connected to what we talked about in regards to halloween like there's yeah. there's demonic you know cultic stuff that people can say oh this is connected to that and maybe that's true i would say by and large our culture does not look at the Christmas tree or the door knocking for candy and say, oh, that's connected to this pagan root or right. this pagan. Like no one sees it that way. Right. So it's largely lost its meaning. And that's, man, that's probably a bad thing too, that Christmas has lost its meaning. Because <laughs> that's also true for the fact that most of the people that celebrate Christmas are not thinking, oh man, the birth of Jesus, how special, how precious. Right. We are. So I, I think to your point, Pastor PG, we should celebrate. We should celebrate hard. Yeah. We should enjoy the fact that our, our government still honors this as a a holy day that yeah. our culture says, yeah, let's stop everything, kind of, not anymore so much today with shopping and everything, but we, sh- we should. And we should enjoy the fact that this is on our calendar in Western civilization. This is something that we still honor and, and celebrate, and you, sh- and you should do that without any any hangups. Now, if you studied and you've looked back and said, oh, my, this book said this, and I saw this guy, he said it's connected to that thing. Are, are there connections? Well, perhaps loose connections. Right. But my argument is that no one, nobody except for those who practice paganism no one is saying oh man you got a christmas tree you must be a pagan worshiper of this and that right so again the 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 entanglements are so thin and so far away that i don't think it should bother your conscience right and and some people say well we're never commanded in scripture to celebrate christmas okay jesus wasn't commanded to celebrate purim or hanukkah 
Or Hanukkah. Which he does in John's Gospel, the yeah. Feast of Lights. Uh, so w- we see examples where the, Jesus himself, yeah, to your point, uh, celebrated things that weren't explicitly commanded in Scripture, feasts, memorials. Uh, and so it's it's not something that we can go, well, because it's not in Scripture, we shouldn't do it. Okay, well, then somebody call Jesus and be like, hey, Jesus, you shouldn't have celebrated Hanukkah because it's not commanded in the Bible anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy it. Celebrate today. <laughs> Celebrate big today. We're doing cinnamon rolls for breakfast. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, homemade a cinnamon rolls. Dessert for breakfast is the way to go. Yeah. That's yeah. the way to do it. Maybe dessert for lunch and dinner too. I mean, well, I'm all I, about that. See, the way that you say that, and you, you attack pancakes as well. I, well, that's different. Way. In a normal day, I would say that's 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 a bad decision. But on Christmas? But f- for Christmas. All, all bets are off. Yep. Eat you, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, and open presents. And open presents. I mean, yeah. I'm all I celebrate. Pastor Pastor Mike preached a sermon, uh, our, our sending pastor preached a sermon several years ago, and one of the points was celebrate by celebrating. Haven't yep. forgotten that. I think we should do that. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the other thing that you should feast on on Christmas Day is God's Word. The Word. The Word of God. In fact, every day, every day we should, we should have an intake of God's Word. Think about it. What, what is your greatest desire as a believer? I, I hope. Uh, oh. Go, go ahead. Go, I'm curious. I want to know what, what answer you're going to come up with here. Uh, I, I want to love God better. Okay. I, I want to know him. It's like the song. I, I want to know you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. Lord. I think he wants to touch him at some point. I want to yeah. touch you. Yeah, yeah, that one. I yeah. love that song, man. That one brings back the vibes. Yeah. Camp in high school. Yeah. So- Sonic Flood. I yeah, think they Sonic did that. Flood, and, yep. it, and it crushed me. I was like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah, we, we want to know him. Romans 8 says that God's desire for us is that we would ultimately be made more like Christ. Romans 8, 28 and 29, that, that that's what he's doing. He's working all things together for our good, that we would ultimately be made more like Jesus. Listen, the, the spirit has taken up residence in your life, Christian, to produce that in you. And one of the main utensils, one of the main tools that the, the spirit uses to make you more like Jesus is the word of God. And so we should have an inherent desire, believer, every single day to be in God's word because we are exposing our, ourselves to the work of the spirit to take the word of God and to use it in our lives, to sharpen us, to mold us, to make us more like Jesus. And so that's one of our, our main reasons. There's many reasons why, but that's one main reason why it's a good thing every single day, whether it's a holiday or not. Hey, I want to jump in God's word. I want to spend time in God's word. So if you're listening to our podcast today, we trust that you are going to do that. And uh, good job. We're excited about that. But uh, yeah, make sure that we are, are not just feasting on cinnamon rolls, dessert for breakfast, as Pastor Rod calls it, <laughs> but also on God's word together. Amen to that. And, and the, the word of God is even sweeter than a cinnamon roll. Ooh, that would be like the modern, that's that's the message version of like Psalm 19. I mean, I might start doing my own Bible. There we go. What would you call it? Pastor PJ's dope fresh translation. No, wait a minute. <laughs> you said your Bible. Yeah, well, I'd be the editor, general editor. Your name would be on the on the cover though. Okay, your so name that and you your could picture. Like deny anything. <laughs> yeah, well, if it's not got my Bible. It, you'd be like, that's Pastor Page's it. Bible. It's him. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. I don't think I want my name associated with a Bible at any time because I think there's plenty of good ones that All are. All right. Well, there. I will just uh, I'll call it Doctor Pajamas Burner Bible. <laughs> It'll be so mysterious. No one would ever <laughs> no know. One know who it is. Hey guy. All right. Speaking of hey guy, let's turn to Haggai. Haggai. Hey guy. Haggai. Haggis. Haggis. Yeah. Brahan, that? Brahanu has has indulged in haggis. Gross. Yeah. It's like sheep intestines, I think. Brahanu, come on, man. Yeah. It's not okay. I mean, I, I applaud the the boldness, the, cor- the courage, but no thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, no thanks. Uh, Haggai did not eat haggis that we know of. Maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, for context, if you want a, a running start on the book of Haggai, maybe flip back to Ezra and uh, pick up in Ezra chapter 5 and, and review Ezra 5 through 10, because that's really what's going on here. Uh, Haggai comes on the scene in 520 BC during the reign of King Darius, uh, during the, the Persian Empire that's going on. And uh, this is uh, a, a command, as you see, the ESV opens up to rebuild the temple. Um, but it's, 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 not like a hey let's go this is great we should go do this but it's a it's a judgmental call it's a it's an indictment on the people of Israel that they haven't done this yet in fact he indicts them he says in verse 4 is it time for you guys to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lies in ruins uh, verse mm. 9 you you looked for much and behold it came to little you when you brought it home it blew away why declares the lord because my house lies in ruins and each of you busies himself with his own house so this, is, this goes hand in hand with a little bit of what we talked about yesterday with the idea of complacency, that uh, the focus has shifted away from God and, and what's good and what's right about him, and it's shifted to what we want and our desires, and God kind of fades into the background. And Haggai is there to rally the people and say, this isn't going to work. You need to respond, and you need to do this. And uh, in the, as it would happen in, in the book, the people do respond, and they do uh, because they fear the Lord. Obedience is uh, the result of that. And uh, there's a, a, a shift then in chapter two because uh, the, the temple is said to, to be the place where God's glory is going to return. Now, which temple then would that be? Is it the temple that is initially in view, the temple that the exiles are going to rebuild when they return? No. This is a look forward to Ezekiel's temple, which we talked about back in the book of Ezekiel. If you'll look back there, that's the temple that's in view as Haggai uh, begins to shift and say that the glory of the Lord, verse 7, I will fill this house with glory. The latter glory of the house shall be greater than the former. This is not the second temple. This is not Herod's temple. This is the Ezekielian temple (laughs) that's going to be there uh, in the millennial kingdom. So just a quick reminder here, we're looking at about 520 BC. In fact, that's what Haggai says to us. Haggai, that's how you say his name. Uh, That's what he says to us at the beginning of his book, which puts us at 520 BC. So these are the post-exilic, not wanderers, they're the post-exile. They are the people who come back, they begin to rebuild the temple, but then they stop. That's why Haggai and Zechariah, his contemporary, um, works so hard. In fact, Haggai finishes his ministry about a month of overlap with Zechariah, which we'll get into eventually. But the idea here is that he's trying to remind them and to provoke them, look, it's time to take care of God's temple. Don't worry about your houses. Don't worry about your camels and your your stuff. Let's worry about God's stuff first. It's, it sounds a lot like Jesus in, in the New Testament where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that you need and you want, they're going to be added to you. Well, worry first about God's priorities and your priorities will take care of themselves, he says basically. Trust me. So get back to the temple building. Stop slowing it down. Get to it. Yeah. As the, the book comes to a conclusion, Zerubbabel is held up as an example of or a representative of the, the future uh, millennial ruler. And so Zerubbabel is identified there and he becomes this signet, this, uh, this representative, this, this, uh, this symbol of the future millennial king who would be uh, obviously Jesus. Um, and he is the one that will eventually rule forever and ever and hope will be restored through this image of this future Davidic ruler. The people will think, okay, God's not done with us. There's going to be a Davidic line again, and it's going to be in the future. And we can look forward and anticipate that day. Indeed. I love Haggai. Hey, guy. Hey, guy. <laughs> All right. New Testament. Let's get into the bowls. Bowl bowls. It is bowl season in college football. Very different. Not the same. I don't know the difference between a bowl and the regular season. I mean, 
Is there a, is there a significant? Like, yeah. It's postseason. Okay, that's significant. So, postseason. All yeah, right. like it's a, it's a it's kind of a big thing if you get to go play in a bowl. It's a big thing for the school because they get paid a lot of money. The school um, gets paid money to play in a bowl? Yeah. So you're invited to do it? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. By all the sponsors. And so that's why people go do that. And then there's the oh. college football playoffs, which are the top four teams, uh, which there's a lot of controversy about that this year, but w- whatever. And they play for the, the championship, and they're, the, they're like the greatest college football team in the United States for... Who's going to win it this year? I hope Texas, man. They're in it. Oh, they're in the, it? The Longhorns are yeah. in there. They're, so the Rangers would have a, a championship? That'd and then be great. The Longhorns? I think cool. the Longhorns, yeah. Yep. They played in a bowl, right? They they do a bowl every year at the Texas uh, State Fair. Yes, is that considered a bowl? That's not. Be it's it's so it's confusing because that stadium is called the Cotton Bowl. That would make sense to think yeah. that it's a it's a bowl because there is a bowl game called the Cotton Bowl, which is no longer played in the Cotton Bowl. It's now played over in Jerry World, where the Dallas Cowboys play. Oh. So the Cotton Bowl Stadium hosts the Red River Rivalry, which used Shoot's to be called the Red River Shootout before we decided we can't say oh, shootout anymore. Yeah, and that's the game that's played every year between Texas and Oklahoma. But yes, during the State Fair. Okay. Yeah. But not a bowl. But not a bowl. Even though it's at the Cotton Bowl. Even though it's in the Cotton Bowl. Got it. Yeah. So Clear as mud. Everybody confused? I'm glad that Revelation is easier than this. Revelation is a little bit easier. Yeah. At yeah. least in this one area. It only has seven bowls. There's like <laughs> 700 <laughs> college football <laughs> bowls. Yeah. yeah and no they're ridiculous. Well, hey, the seven bowls you'll remember we talked about yesterday are the bowls of God's wrath. And so as we walk through each of these, that's important to keep in mind that these are the judgments that God is pouring out. And these are the the finality of judgment as far as this period of time in uh, the tribulation era. So the first bowl comes and is poured out and there are sores that, that come on the people who don't have uh, the, the mark that has been sealed or the, the, the protection of God, but they have the mark of the beast that is on them. And so they're suffering for that and God is judging them. They're, they have these sores. And, and something to keep in mind here that is, uh, is important, we're not, um, we're not finishing a bowl and moving on as though th- those things go away. The effects of all of these bowls are, are piling one upon the Cumulative. other. Cumulative. Yeah. And so that makes it even worse as you go through. Well, bowl number two, you've got the, the sea. So the, the oceans are turned to blood and every living creature dies within the oceans. The connection to Exodus is intentional. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then the next bowl, the, the freshwater dies, and there's already been drought on the scene. I mean, this, this is just an, a time of intense and horrific suffering. Um, and uh, and the, look, there's an angel in charge of the waters. I found that to be interesting. An Sounds like territorial angels. Yeah. Angels over certain designations and regions, yep. which fits into the, the Pauline co- concept of angelic hosts, you know, powers, principalities, powers, uh, as he says it in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and 6, I think. Yeah, yeah. So both three fresh water is now turned to blood. Uh, both four, you've got the scorching heat. The sun is is allowed to scorch now. If if you're going, I, we experienced that in Texas this past. I know summer. exactly what that feels like. <laughs> this I is, hit the fourth angel unleashed a bowl judgment in Texas. He's like, oh, sorry, God, I uh, I jumped the gun. On too that soon, one. too yeah. soon. Yeah, no, but this is going to be so much worse. So think of that. Think, I mean, even think back to the time where you've just been miserably hot and the sun has just been beating down without relief, and that's this but to an even greater degree um and you would expect okay fine everybody's going to get this then they're going to they're going to repent they're going to they're going to turn to the lord and go we're sorry we shouldn't have done this but you'll notice they they have the opposite reaction they curse god and do not repent or give him the glory uh, and so we continue with the bowls and remember these are, are are cumulative they're they're piling one upon the other one and so now you get this intense darkness that comes over the land uh, which would bring all kinds of, of frustration and confusion and chaos. 
to the world system in, in so many different ways. Not only that, but just think about emotionally what happens when we are deprived of sunlight. Think about our bodies, what happens when we're deprived of sunlight. We need sunlight. God has created us to be uh, to, to need that vitamin D, even just for our health, our emotional outlook, our, 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 uh, our well-being. And so darkness comes over the entire land. And again, what do people do? Well, they curse God and they do not repent. And then bowl number six. And bowl number six is interesting. The, the Euphrates River will dry up. And it says the reason it does is to prepare the way for the kings of the east. This is uh, getting everybody ready for Armageddon. This is preparing the way for all of the, the armies to come against the people of God, to come against Israel, to come against Jerusalem there. Uh, if they're angry with God, they're cursing God, it's, there's going to be enough evidence all around to know that the, the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem are the people of God, that Jerusalem is his holy city. And so the, the armies are going to come, and, and God is enabling this. That's one of his bowls. He's, he's drying up the river. And so the, the nations are going to come, and for them, they're going to think, this is great. We're, look at this. The, the river's dry. Now we can make our way straight to Jerusalem without any impediment, and we can lay siege, and we can win the day, and, and we can destroy the people of God, and we will triumph once and for all. But all this is through the, the sovereign permission of God. And then there's this interesting parenthetical statement in verse 15. He says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may go about not go about in nakedness and be seen exposed. And so God is, is uh, as he's done so many times, warning us to stay ready for this coming day. That was my takeaway from this whole chapter. Like, I don't know what to do with this other than, man, Lord, I want you to come. I, I'd want you to save a lot of people first. But the idea of being watchful is is a is a term and an idea communicated throughout Scripture. Paul particularly uses it in his, uh, in his epistles. Um, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. He talks about having the, the mindset of vigilance and alertness, and, and that should characterize the church. We, we're not going to look at the headlines and necessarily jump to conclusions, but we should be a watchful people. We should be watching things, not for the creeper effect, but in order to be, uh, in order to pray, to pray rightly given the times and the season. So I hope, if anything, what this chapter does for you is heighten your sensibilities to what's coming, that it heightens your awareness to the fact that there is an eternity that's coming, there is God's judgment that's coming, and it makes all the sense in the world for us to prioritize spiritual realities, um, even if that means suffering in some of the temporary stuff. Um, our job as Christians is to be salt and light, and that means we have a, a spiritual obligation, we have an eternal obligation to our neighbors, our loved ones, our family, to be uh, filled with the, the things of Christ. As uh, I think, I don't know if it was yesterday, when we were, whenever we were saying this, but talking about setting our minds on things that are above and not on things below. Yep. Seventh bowl, as it ends, is earthquake and hail uh, to a massive uh, scope there. So, yeah. I echo those sentiments that Pastor Roger said. That's a great takeaway from this chapter is to be ready for the return of Christ and uh, and look forward to that time. Hey, Merry Christmas. Wow, Merry Christmas. Yeah. This is the Christmas text. We, we, we've done this every year now for almost, I mean, almost a decade. Yeah, and even as we shift next year to chronological, we're still going to be in Revelation during the Christmas season. I guess you're right. We will not escape it. Yeah. <laughs> not that we're trying to escape it. But I, I look forward to doing it again. But maybe not in this text. Next year we'll be in a different text, perhaps. Maybe we will. Probably. Probably we will. Hey, we'll catch you guys uh, again tomorrow for December 26th, the day after Christmas. Christmas Adam. Christmas post. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.